everyone, and welcome to edition 109 of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that would never get caught short enough it couldn't make the left back in the dressing room joke. Uh, I'm Michael Bailey, I cover the Canaries for The Athletic, and of course, I hope this finds you well. On the way, one hull of a clearance, yeah, I did change the pun slightly, uh, the definition of dominance, and how big a week is it really? We will work through all that and more with our guests this fine Monday evening. And I'm delighted to say that they are City fan and budding journalist, Anna Say. Hello. And on the ball debutant, overseas Norwich fan and professional football coach, Nick Dye. Good afternoon, everyone. As you would say from where you are, Nick. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for everyone out there. Um, hope everyone is well, of course. Uh, how are you guys, Anna? How are you? I'm doing all right. I wasn't feeling too good yesterday. Heat gave me a bit of a migraine, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, this is the problem with the heat. I'm doing better today. I'm powering through this. Um, just for the uh, people who are listening rather than viewing, you're wearing a one of the Norwich shirts. Is that the, the third goalkeeper, goalkeeper one, yeah. The third but, goalkeeper kit. Plus, plus I was thinking you know, a black Norwich shirt might be more apt for what we're going to be talking about. That's the way. Set the tone. I mean, the, the bonus is you can also referee in that shirt. Although I don't know how often referees are actually in a black shirt these days. So that's true. Moving on, um, Nick. Welcome to On the Ball. How lovely to uh, have you on. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, yesterday was my recovery day. Usually after a Norwich performance, I need a recovery day, and then Monday I'm back to bright and bubbly and ready to attack the week. This is lovely. I, I am trying to instigate this myself as well, professionally and in terms of watching them play. Um, wonderful for you to join us. Uh, where are you joining us from? Uh, I live in San Francisco, California. Wow. And uh, what sort of day is it today? Was it, was it, you know, as hot as it was here? I think we were on low 30s. No, no. Uh, actually, San Francisco is a microclimate, believe it or not. So our summers are usually quite foggy and cold. Although everywhere else, 10 miles around us is burning hot like the desert. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm going to struggle to get my wife. I'm going to struggle to get my wife there on a holiday then, I would imagine. But there we go. Um, how are you? Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Um, we should probably find out a bit about you. So let's get some questions in. Um, obviously, Norwich fan. When did that happen and how did that happen? In as few words as possible. Um, uh, as far back as I can remember, really, my dad's a Liverpool fan. Um, well, he says he's a Liverpool fan. I still think he's a Norwich fan. Um, so I, my Liverpool kit was kind of first put on me and then playing the game was a lot of fun. So I became kind of quite a fan of the game and then started to kind of gradually seep into coming to Norwich games. My first one was in um, 89, uh, a nil-nil draw versus QPR. Uh, all I remember was uh, the scoreboards. Uh, I think it was maybe they'd just become digitalized and there was a robot that kind of moved his hands up and down. That's what I can remember from that. Um, and then I started going to more games. Um, midweek games were a good one because uh, I couldn't make it on the weekends, but I was able to, my dad was able to take me to midweek games. So when there was 8,000 people in Car Road, I was one of them. Uh, and then became a season ticket holder through my teens and, and just uh, yeah, loved every minute of being an Irish fan. And I've stayed completely addicted to every podcast and every game and everything I can grab my hands on. So even as a professional football coach, um, I'm assuming Dean Smith's the same with Aston Villa. <laughs> I'm sure he is or was. Maybe maybe the job maybe changed him. Um, so uh, how did you end up in the US? And also professional football coach. I mean, that's an exciting job. Yeah, I moved to the US to, to coach um, football. So that uh, I was actually working at the Football in the Community program at Norwich Football Club um, and then decided to move to take a jump and move out of uh, Norfolk and go to the States. And then um, moved from New Jersey to to California, started my own coaching company out here, um, became a director for a, a, an academy, and then um, just recently started working with a professional team in the third tier of the USA Pyramid. Fantastic, which I think is um, a highlight of which we shared last season during it the sure podcast. Is. But maybe that was in Wits End. <gasps> Are we allowed to talk about that? I don't know, but we have now because it doesn't exist anymore. Bless it. Go rest in peace. Wits End. Well, um, Nick, no pressure. We are expecting you to be an expert in all football coaching matters, so no pressure at all. Um, but it's brilliant to have you on. Hopefully, the first appearance of of, of many. Um, I've kept this uh, suitably succinct, so I reckon we just crack on then with uh, a bit of this week's. Headline act. 
Yes, indeed. Quite the week. Uh, we've had the sublime. Uh, usually that was due to Marcelino Nunez. Marcelino, I keep calling him Marcelino Nunez, uh, as well as the ridiculous. Um, and that was at either end of the pitch, especially uh, at Hull. Um, Norwich still winless, uh, I have to say, because I'm not including the Birmingham Cup victory. It was definitely a draw after 90 minutes. But, you know, they've gone through. So that's the exciting thing. Norwich are in the next round of the Carabao Cup, uh, having dispatched Birmingham in midweek um, before going on to lose 2-1 at Hull. They are now bottom of the championship and remain winless, which is not a particularly panic stations moment just yet because it's only three games. But still, uh, not a, a suboptimal start, Anna, I suppose you'd call it. Yeah, you could say that. I think the the problem is that we're starting to see even the most loyal Norwich fans lose their patience at the moment. Last season, it didn't go great. Everyone was desperate for a fast start and it's going the other way. And it, every game, it just feels like we're regressing just a little bit more. And I think the, the biggest problem that everybody no matter what side you're on, can agree on, is the fact that there's no identity. You can't work out what the players are supposed to be doing. And to be honest, it looks like the players themselves don't really know what they're doing. I never, I hate going back to old managers and things like that, but you look at Farker and win, lose or draw, you knew exactly what he wanted his team to do and what they were aiming for. And this team still yet to see it and some of the team choices and some of the tactics choices have all just been very odd and we need to see a little bit more especially this week it's a big week coming up it does feel like a big week and we'll certainly be talking about the games coming up Nick I mean when you see when you (laughs) there's a few issues really to get through but when you see Norwich at Hull um where do you see Dean Smith is at with it because he spoke a lot about dominance. Um, I wrote a piece in in The Athletic off the back of uh, Saturday's game that you can read, sort of touching into that theme a bit. I mean, I've watched Norwich a lot in the championship and people talk about how the team is dominating, yet maybe not winning. I mean, Daniel Farker had it nailed so that Norwich were winning and dominating. But um, I suppose the biggest question with Dean Smith's side at the moment is what, is what we're watching, a case of um, progression towards something that will hit its straps or is it, you know, just sort of bouncing against the top of the ceiling and it can't break through? I think sometimes with managers, it just clicks early and sometimes it takes a while. Obviously, Dean Smith's been put into a pretty terrible predicament with the squad that was built for last season in the Premier League. For me, I I mean, I hear what Anna's saying where um, it's difficult to kind of go from a coach who's really laid out his whole platform, communicated it with everyone in the Norwich City community and steadfast stayed with it the whole time. And now you've got a coach who's maybe not built that rapport with the fans. Um, and I think that's probably more of the problem because when I see Dean Smith's, I can I can very quickly assume what his style of play is. If you take Daniel Farker's system of possession, it was he the half spaces, he wanted the, the wide players to come inside and take those half spaces. Like if you imagine a a pitch divided into five columns and one in from the outside, that's the half space. So he wanted the 7-11 to occupy that half space, whereas Dean Smith wants his 8 and 10 to occupy that half space uh, and play possessions through that and then try and keep the wide players a little bit wider, um, which means that the, the fullbacks don't necessarily get the space that they had under Daniel Farker. So I think the system is, is pretty clear. He wants to counter press. He wants to add numbers. He wants to build up from the back. Um, I just don't think he's found a formula that has clicked yet. And that may be just toying with player personnel until he gets there. Um, from the way I see it, I see he's got, he's, Rashid's is a big problem for him because he's moved him from the left wing to the right wing now. So he's asking him to be something else. He's got Todd Cantwell, who's the X factor in the team, whose stats are way high and been performing excellently, but He's not been able to unlock anything. So it's it's kind of like, do, do, does he go back to basics and go wingers on the outside? And I, I'm not sure what he's going to do next, but he, he's either going to have to be patient and risk his job or he's going to have to make some changes and actually build a rapport with the community of Norwich City fans. Where would a manager be without um Can I, can I say something quickly? Absolutely, Anna, please. Well, um, I think... 
that my biggest problem is it's a case of things that have been built over several years now being thrown out of the window. I mentioned before we came on air that I had a quote that I'd picked out, and it's a quote from Stuart Webber, like way back early on when he first signed Daniel Farker. And you look at some of those quotes and you go, where did it all go so wrong? But the one I wanted to pick out was um, he said that if Daniel leaves in two years, we'll know who the next head coach is, who will be very similar to Daniel in terms of philosophy. Of course, he'll have slightly, slightly different tweaks. So it might be Daniel does zonal marking. New guy might go, actually, I prefer man-to-man. But fundamentally... What can't happen is it can't be that we play football this way and then we bring in a guy who plays football over there because everything else then just breaks down. And I think we've got a case of it's Smith is a completely different manager through no fault of his own to Farker. And when they spent so long building one kind of philosophy, spent years on it, everybody in the club went the same way and... Now we've got a slightly different regime that seems to be com- going completely the other way. And I think it's going to take longer than people think to get on board with it if it's going to work. But unfortunately, I don't know that we have the time this time round to to get it to work. And that's where I think he's coming, uh, getting these problems. It was, um, it's very interesting because if, if we talk about... Um identity and changing styles and all of those things i think that all changed really when norwich got promoted a second time because even under daniel farker the identity had had been lost because of what norwich felt they needed to do to survive second time around because they felt it didn't work first time and in but then curiously you know daniel farker was effectively sacked because everything was too similar in terms of the processes yet probably not on the pitch it wasn't similar enough on the pitch so um you know it, i think that's why the Premier League can eat clubs up quite easily in terms of their culture and what they're trying to do. And I still think some of the current funk is is around the problems of that. And Norwich sort of, everyone sort of sitting there going, well, I mean, we kind of really want to be good at this level, but, you know, I I don't know where the hunger is to really, to really, um, well, go up, I suppose. I want to see it. I want to see it on the pitch and I want I mean, to see it from first... what people communicate. So I was going to say the first time around, we didn't exactly put enough into the team and give Farker enough to stay up. You only have to look at the signings from then. Last time round, um, last season, we did bring in the signings, but then you have to look at recruitment. And when you start picking bits out like that, you go, actually, there's not one person to blame. It's a whole club who puts all this together win lose or draw everyone has their part to play in terms of blame and unfortunately I don't think we're going to hear much from the higher ups so it seems that Smith is going to be forced to bear the brunt of the anger at the moment through no fault of his own um Jordan Scott's popped a message in um it says uh Rashidza shouldn't be in the team again which I, I would imagine is probably in terms of the, the week coming up. I mean, when you look at Milot, Nick, the, the things he does well, which, you know, he's supposed to be a really good ball carrier. We're not seeing really much of that. We probably saw it in the first four minutes at Cardiff and then he got fouled about four times in, in the next five minutes and, and that was sort of the end of him there. Um, do, do you, where do you sort of view the performance he put in on, on Saturday? Woeful. I think he's fantastic he, he was great in the Premier League because he was given space and he was allowed to have 1v1s in the Premier League typically teams won't gang up on you because they'll trust the individual defending from individual players so he had a lot more 1v1 situations and obviously a lot more uh, counter-attacking behaviours because Norwich sat deeper because teams wanted to keep the ball against us so I think he was bought for the Premier League. I, I I think he's an awful fit for the Championship. I think he's going to get doubled up. He's going to lose the ball regularly. He's not a great recoverer in terms of putting in the shift to get back into the, the line he's supposed to be on. He's not a fantastic counter-presser. He, he's not going to fit. And I think this is another reason why Dean Smith's moved him out onto the right because he's gone, well, you're really, really quick. You can beat people 1v1. Just get it around the outside and whip it in hard. And so he's done that. And I think it was at the Celtic game where we scored from a moment where he did that. 
Uh, and then since then, he's kind of tried to keep going with that process of putting him on the right. And clearly he's not comfortable there. I, I just don't think he's a great fit. I think any kind of money we can get for him is going to be fantastic. Unless we can hold on and hope that we go up again and somehow he reignites his form in the Premier League. I don't see it. Yeah, it was the um, <clears throat> it was the Marseille friendly, I think, where that ah. where that happened. Um, but it, you know, he was in and out of it during preseason, which is it, fair to say. And again, we'll, we'll talk about the games coming up because it'd be interesting to hear people's opinions on who they would start with. Um, I um, we had Dean Smith's press conference uh, earlier this morning, which was always a pleasure to be at, of course. Um, I think the answer to the question I asked him has been doing the rounds on social media today, which was basically, <clears throat> and, and someone had brought it up. Yeah, I can't remember who it was. Well, probably not one. <laughs> Lots of people, given I, I have um, various different ways of, of communicating with people. We have the match day discussion over at The Athletic uh, around every game as well. But someone said, you know, Dean Smith arrived and one of the first things he said was he wanted to make Norwich hard to beat, um, which didn't really work in the Premier League, but there was mitigation if you want it. Um, but also three games into the championship, you know, Norwich have lost twice when really it's it's sort of maybe inexplicable that they should have lost twice given the state of the goals. Um, now, I, th I think his answer is coming in for a bit of criticism. Um, I, what did you make of what he said, Anna? Because I, in, in some ways, you know, it's a very difficult answer, a question to answer because some of the goals have been so entirely haphazard. It's, I think it is a difficult one. In, obviously, the players on the pitch have to take part of the blame for what's happened. Some of the goals conceded have been atrocious. Some of the chances we have had, you wonder how they've missed it. It's the old cliche, it's probably harder to miss. But the build-up play and the possession play, a lot of that has been really good, and that's been the positives that a lot of people have taken out of the matches. And when you see that build-up play, it is hard for teams to get in, but we're completely weak on the counter-attack, which is where those goals are coming from when we concede them. So it's about not being caught on the counter-attack. It's about taking on chances and having slightly better decision-making, which isn't exactly a new thing in this Norwich side, unfortunately. I don't think that would take a lot to change it. I think... A little there needs to be slightly better choices when it comes to who he puts in the team. I mean, in the last match, I was baffled as to why Hugel couldn't even get on the bench because apparently there was more attacking options ahead of him. And Gibbs, who was fantastic in the cup match, couldn't uh, was only on the bench as well. Siani, uh, Sonani, uh, I forget how to pronounce his name, but yes, yeah, Sonani. He, he was on the bench as well. And I think these are the kind of players who are going to be suited more to the the way that he wants his team to play. So I think have those little tweaks, and I believe that then they will become more difficult to beat. And at the moment, we're very predictable. Even though he is chopping and changing things here, there and everywhere, it's still very predictable what we're trying to do and where our weakest points are. So if we don't change anything quickly, we'll constantly be getting be get caught on the counter attack. We'll make those silly mistakes, those unforced errors, and we'll we'll carry on being beat even if he thinks we're still being hard to beat. <laughs> um, we should mention Marcelino Nunez, of course, because he scored a wonderful free kick on Saturday. Had a slightly curious game, I thought, because he he started off really well, as the rest of the team did. In fact, his, maybe he followed the ebb and flow of the team because the middle bit was quite tricky. And then um, he was, I think he was playing slightly higher up later on in the game and, and started to really affect things and, and grab hold of them as well. So, um, And obviously we had the Penenka against Birmingham, which was... Uh, Remarkable for a shootout penalty. Um, Nick, I'll check your connections, okay? Because you look a bit stick, a bit stuck. So we'll see how this goes. But um, I mean, for all the criticism of recruitment, it does look like Norwich have found someone um, with some proper quality in, in uh, Marcelino. Yeah, I think it's working well. Um, uh, Marcelino Nunez. Just, just about. 
Okay. <laughs> I, I, I actually went back and watched, this is how big of a Norwich fan I I went back in, uh, into Futbalia and watched a couple of Marcelino Nunez's games in um, in the Copa de Libertadores in his league. And I was really worried because uh, the standard of that football is, it's rough. It's a glorified Sunday league, I think. And um, I was a bit worried that they've seen a really bright spark in a really terrible league and, and he won't be able to adapt. Um, but, you know, clearly the scouts have done their diligence and the player that, that they've seen with a very, very high ceiling. And that's what we've seen almost straight away. And uh, that there's definitely a ceiling there. I mean, I think there's certain nuances to him that he's to adapt to. Um, we saw him got on the weekend. At one point, he got stuck in a right back on the ball and kind of couldn't twist and turn his way out of it, even though he's got fantastic to create in situation. So the speed of the game might take a while but uh, I really I really really like what uh, Norwich fans have got there yeah he does look like a proper like a proper player um still early days though obviously but we, we were certainly the signs are promising which is good because with some players that Norwich have signed we haven't quite had that even early promising signs um Nick just check your connection because it was a bit stuttery on that last answer so I'll come back to you um in a tickle uh it's norwich at home to bournemouth in the second round of the carabao cup which is a, a remarkable case of 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 uh, of drawing uh, etiquette i suppose so we'll see how that uh plays out uh, i think i've covered off most of the things from the two games um we'll see if uh, if danel sanani and anyone else for that matter uh, gets their opportunity to shine um in the coming games and um, we will obviously speak about those in a moment let me just try and get some more of these um uh, comments and questions we had. Um, James Hotchkiss, can anything read, anything be read into the fact that Norwich haven't won in the championship since Twitterkers was canned? Don't know what you're talking about, James, obviously. Don't, don't know what you're talking about. But yes is the answer, yes, um, which is all good. Uh, Michael Rayner, um, I think we should try and use Todd Can Campwell, obviously, uh, as a, as a, a, a CAM um, I guess that's the number 10 really, isn't it, Nick? I mean, is that his best position, do you reckon? He'll probably say it is. I, I still think that the way Dean Smith wants to play is he wants to get his two centre midfielders on the ball, turning, playing forwards. I think Todd wants to go into different spaces and find different channels and beat people here and there. I, I think that he's going to be much more suited to the left-hand side under Dean Smith. There were still one or two moments I thought at Hull where one or two players were getting getting in each other's way, and um, that's never really a good sign because it, it means that they're, they're doing the similar jobs or they haven't knitted together well enough to know that they don't want to be in the same space as each other. It's interesting because again, speaking to Dean Smith this morning, I asked him whether he'd had a past experience of of you know a team needing games to click. Um, and I suppose in a, in a typical managerial uh, media trained answer, he didn't answer that question. He basically said, well, I don't think we need time to click. Um, so it maybe it's a case of finding rhythm, but he doesn't feel that it's about clicking, which I was interesting because that was kind of one of the caveats for the opening <laughs> opening three performances and results. So, um, but, but there we go. Um, Simon Copperwheat, uh, good evening, Michael, Anna and Nick. Two seasons ago, I remember you stating, probably me, that the quality of the teams in the championship was less compared to the previous seasons. Is it the opposite this time around? I mean, uh, I have to say, Anna, Norwich have played three championship teams. I think Hull have got a chance of finishing in the top 10 and pushing for a playoff place. Uh, I thought the other two were I've already said it a few times, probably about, you know, lower, middle of the lower half um, quality, if not lower. Um, so, no, I, don't, I think it's still as bad. I think Norwich's level is lower so far. What do you think, Anna? I just think some of the, there's more teams with a chance of finishing into top six than there might have been in the last couple of seasons. I think there will be some tough matches, especially you look at the teams that have come down with us as well. They're always going to be the difficult ones. But I think where some people might try and use that as an excuse to excuse our own performances, but I think it's the old cliche, we just need to focus on ourselves. We, we can only beat what's in front of us. If it's a tough match, if it's not such a tough match, 
doesn't matter. We've just got to play our own game. And I think that's one thing that we haven't been doing so far. We've been adapting to what the other team has been doing rather than going, this is how we're playing. It's up to you to come beat us. And I want to see more of that. Uh, Jonah Lossia. Lossia, Lossia. Canaries across the pond. Absolutely love to see it. Cheers from North Carolina. That's one for you there, Nick. Um, Which is grand. And now I think... Uh, well, we'll get onto this in a bit, but Paul Clark says, if we don't win the next two games, he must go. So there we go. He must go. Um, uh, right, now is a good point to uh, uh, to bring up the fact that, obviously, Mr. NCFC numbers, Steve Sanders, is not with us tonight. That's absolutely fine. <laughs> um, uh, but, of course, I will always miss him. Um, but he did promise a quiz question. So you're all going to be absolutely delighted to know that he has sent... A voice note. In fact, he sent two, but uh, we'll leave the second one until the end because that's the reveal. So let's uh, let's introduce to you, um, as if in the ether, uh, Mr. Steve Sanders, aka NCFC Numbers, Number Wang Chief. Uh, let's introduce his voice on its own. No pictures. Wow. Hi, Michael. Hi, everyone. And apologies to those who are hoping they would get the week off without hearing my voice. But um, a promise is a promise. We said there would be a quiz question. Here comes the quiz question. So it concerns our new free kick specialist, Marcelino Nunez. It's a slightly adapted one from last week, actually. But I'm sure all Norwich City fans like me were hugely excited to find out that we had signed a player with all five vowels in his name, i.e. across both his names, A-E-I-O-U, just, uh, just to remind you there, just in case you need a reminder. So Nunez on Saturday became the third Norwich City player since 2010 to have scored a goal for the club with all five vowels in his name. Can you name the other two now there are a couple of players who were just before 2010 i'm not going to say who they are but they just missed out and one of the two players is known by minority trans more affectionately with a slightly shorter name so there's a little clue for you so that's my question and you'll have until the end of the pod i guess depends how michael wants to break it up and just another quick question for the panel and for anyone else listening Dean Smith referred to Jakob Sorensen on Tuesday night as um, Mr Utensil so I was just wondering if the panel had any advances on utensil kitchen utensil based puns on Jürgen Colander because that's the best that I can do. But I'm sure that those on the panel, including yourself, Michael, will be able to do much better. Very best of luck. How lovely to hear Steve's voice until he said Jürgen Colander. Um, uh, brilliant. So the quiz question, get your thinking caps on. Um, see if you can think of the answer, which is um, the last, uh, the two goal scorers for Norwich with every vowel in their name since 2010 i think it was and a couple of near misses i think that was the question um but also uh, i i mean i miss dean smith calling jacob sonson uh, mr utensil which is amazing so we need your utensil kitchen utensil based norwich puns um now anna and nick i haven't given either of you a warning on that so um you're more than welcome to have a few moments and, and to put your hands up or just throw one out as soon as you have one likewise everyone watching You've got two answers there, so get your answers in for both. I have one, two, three, four kicking utensil, a cooking or utensil puns written down before me. Um, obviously, I could give you one now, give you one now, which I've got, which is uh, Matthias Svensson. Svensson, horrible one. That's the worst of the four. I can safely say, Nick, your face lit up as if you've come up with one. How about rule forks? Oh, Rule forks. Come on. <laughs> Lovely work. Lovely work. Um, keep them coming. You guys, Anna, you too. And also anyone uh, listening in. Um, Simon Copperweet's throwing one in. Simeon Jackson. 
but I don't get it. Jack. Jack. Oh, that's the other one. I see. Yes, that's the obviously the vowels. Close. No cigar. Uh, I am going to get um, probably confused by these, aren't I? But that's a, that's a good effort. Simon, your first effort in. Um, ooh, we might have some potential right answers, but I couldn't give that away, could I? Um, so I'm going to just note them down. Um, I don't think it's an answer, but Simon just says, blimey, which is uh, something I, I often say in fairness, Simon. So that's all grand. Oh, I pressed the wrong button there. There we go. Um, and there was one. Um, oh, Adam Leventhal. Hello, Adam. It's clearly got a quiet night on. Teapot Pookie. So good. I had to share it, Adam. Top work. I think every vowel is on that as well. <clears throat> no. Oh, it is. Wow. He's literally answered two. Qu That's why Adam operates on a completely different level. Uh, so there you go. All, all the vowels and the utensil pun. You've done both in one. Adam, I salute you always, but especially just then. Uh, right. <clears throat> in which case, shall we move on to things we are not going to talk about? Um, this is really quick fire. Just the things we're not going to talk about, but obviously we'll end up briefly mentioning them because... That's what we do. So think about one if you want one, Anna, Nick, throw them out. Um, the first thing I'm going to say, Pierre Les Malou scoring a, a, a wonderful um, volley, I think it was. It was certainly a long-range effort for, for Brest. Um, and uh, I shared it on um, Twitter, the clip. Um, listen for Jonathan Pierce's commentary because he says right at the end of it, would you make of that, Norwich fans? <laughs> it's like, yeah. I mean, he did, score, he, did, he did score one from the edge of the area, deflected against Burnley which is one of the few games we won. So we can't criticise him too much, can we, Anna? Yeah, well, you could say the same about Sholis scoring and about Pajeta scoring as well. All the well, we, we could. All I will say is that uh, Christian Sholis, Sholis scored two goals when I think Twente were already 4-2 up in a two-legged Conference League qualifier. So I'll wait and, you know, reserve judgment oh, on, on Christos. Yeah. Um and uh, the other one, well, Shemek, Shemek Poeta, most Norwich fans think he's rubbish and wouldn't have him anywhere near the current side. So I have, you know, it's up to him to go away and show what he can do. Well, fair play to him. I, I keep thinking there's something in there to work with. And as I'll keep saying, there are not many Norwich players currently in, on the books who are going to go to the World Cup potentially in Qatar. And if Shemek Poeta is one of them, you know, some, someone said to me the other day, Norwich haven't got much pace. It's like, well, you know, but again, I, I have watched Shemek play, so I do <laughs> get both sides. Just saying. I, all I hate, for him, I say. I hate to hog it, but I've also, I mean, not just players, maybe Daniel Farker doing really well in the Bundesliga. <laughs> Should we not talk about that? Well, in fairness, they drew 2 2 at a promoted Schalke. So, I mean, and they were 2 1 they, up. They've come back, um, come back a couple of times, haven't they, from behind, which it would not be new with him. Well, Norwich have done it once at home to Wigan. Newly promoted Wigan. What more do you want at home? I'm, I'm, I'm joshing to a degree. I'm joshing to a degree. Nick, anything you don't want to talk about? Uh, the the five subs rule being good for the better teams, which it's absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Well, I mean, Dean Smith only made four subs, didn't he, on the, on Saturday? He wasn't even bothered with it. Leave it alone. Um, left back crisis. Obviously, we're not going to we're not going to talk about that. We probably should. Um, we're not going to do five minutes on it, Steve. Um, as much as you want us to, um, yeah. I just feel really sorry for Sam McCallum, obviously, who broke a metatarsal, his fifth metatarsal in his foot in the Birmingham game, which seemed quite innocuous. Then Jakob Sørensen tries to win a header. They think he goes over on his ankle, but actually, it's a stress factor of his foot. Um, and he's going to be out for several weeks as well. And what so is both, a stress fracture? Well, to be honest, I was going to ask Nick. <laughs> have you come across many stress fractures in your professional coaching career? Uh, not so many, but um, I'm guessing stress is from uh, constant force. So it's a stress. It's a fracture that's come through force, which means it might not be on the surface. It might be internal. And and uh, in, in initially in my head, it makes me think it's about loading, and therefore is in some way preventable, but. I think that's probably not necessarily the case because you wouldn't be able to pick up on it if everything feels okay. And I guess something maybe then then prompts it. Um, um, wasn't it last season that Omar Bamadeli had a stress fracture in his back? In his back. And I know he he has since said that he was grateful for the rest and re recovery time for his body to kind of adjust and, and for him to work on that strengthening. Um, 
but again i suppose a stress issue in the back maybe is slightly different to having one in the foot and it would obviously depend on where that where in the foot it is um it just seems such bitterly bad luck um because Jakob is going to get to play some minutes as well so Norwich do not have a left back at the club or at least not a recognized one so to speak they have been looking to get one in uh in the market but I think that's really difficult because you're looking at only loaning someone probably until January so that makes it a little bit tricky although if you haven't actually got a left back maybe a little bit easier I don't know um it will be fascinating and we'll get onto this in a bit uh who Dean Smith opts and how Dean Smith opts to um, deal with that situation. Uh, I did just want to mention, but I don't want to talk about the Canaries Trust becoming the sixth largest shareholder in Norwich City now after they bought the shares off my former empl- employer, Archant, or their administrators. That's quite That's interesting right. for the, uh, for the for how that um, develops in terms of fan involvement, whether the Tracy Crouch report will ever get to this point where clubs have to have that representation on the board. Uh, it's probably a moot point. We'll see. But uh, it's great for the Canaries Trust to be in that position. Okay. Speaking of the shares, is there any update on the old American investors? Well, we're, we're still in the few weeks period. So carry on with the few weeks, mm-hmm. I say. Um, there is an explainer on The Athletic, which if you'd like to read that from a couple of weeks ago, um, which was less than a few weeks. That was a couple of weeks. Uh, and you can catch up uh, and, and check in on what that says. And hopefully that paints a, a clear picture of, of where we are and maybe where we're going. Uh, I did just want to say um, thoughts and, um, well, thoughts of everyone here and everyone on the podcast, <laughs> not just me, uh, are with um, uh, family and friends of Roger Harris, 30 years Norris City photographer, did wonderful work that I I recall in all sorts of mediums seeing and and uh, a lovely guy as well. Um, uh, he uh, he passed away. Um, I think it was this week. Um, so yeah, thoughts with everyone, and I'm sure they're immensely proud of the um, the what Roger did in terms of documenting Norwich City history with his camera. So um, he will be missed, I'm sure. But what a legacy for him to leave behind, especially for his friends and family. Uh, And um, I did just want to say Hull reintroduced me to the concept of championship Wi-Fi 4G. For some reason, working in championship stadiums, they find it very difficult to have working Wi-Fi that connects with particular strength. But also the grounds usually block out 4G. So um, can't wait for a continuation of that over the remaining 21 Oh, we have Wi-Fi now, Caro, don't we? Well, we have Premier League facilities, um, <laughs> which is good in a way. Uh, anything else anyone doesn't want to talk about? If not, we shall move on. Happy? Happy? Happy. All right, in that case, let's move on um, to a bit of Motti, shall we? Come on then, Motti, bring it on. This is almost fantasy football. Yes, indeed. What says fantasy football quite like a week of two games at Carrow Road against Huddersfield and then Millwall. Um, we've already said how big a week it is. Uh, I mean, I don't think I'm going to be able to bring myself to watch the uh, recap of what happened the last time Huddersfield came to Norwich um, because it probably make me a bit sad. But uh, it was obviously one of the most incredible performances I've seen. Was still with an empty ground, which uh, I think this season is becoming... Um, quite a stark comparison with what Norwich did two years ago, especially um, at least Huddersfield who have got their own struggles, won um, uh, home to Stoke and they've won their first game. So that's good. Uh, gets it out of their system. He says <laughs> like a true fan. Um, uh, I mean, what do we need from this, Anna? What, what have we got to see from this game on, uh, on Tuesday? We just need to see, better decision making I think and that's not only from people on the pitch it's from people off the pitch as well because on the pitch we've seen already we've had so many chances in these games it's not like like pre last season when we weren't getting a lot of chances and then when we did get the chances we weren't scoring them wasn't it something in the um the Wigan match like we had 22 shots or something and only one goal which was a terrible conversion rate just awful so we need to see a bit more of that better decision making but also off the pitch when it comes to Dean Smith I'd like to see a bit a bit more understanding of like where he's going with the team um, decisions and the tactic decisions because I thought it was incredibly unfortunate and unfair to keep somebody like Kugel out of the squad I, I get it if he doesn't want to start him, that's his own choice, but not to even to have him on the bench. I think we have to see Gibbs 
in um, starting because he's looked brilliant in the cup match. He's looked brilliant when he's come on. He seems to really invigorate the team around him. And just a bit more intensity and fight from everybody from the team, a bit more emotion from Dean Smith, a bit more fight from him, a bit more passion and fight from the players as well. Because you do that and you know that the fans are going to get behind them. So just everybody pulling together, everybody on the same page, everybody going for those wins this week. I like that idea. Nick, um, who would you play? <laughs> I, I mean, Dean Smith's got a really... Because he could just change the system and there's your excuse, right? You, you've, the fans are against you. you, you play, it's, something's not clicking. Whatever it is, you can go back and fix those issues, but you're still going to be stuck at left back. So the chances of him going to three at the back and maybe playing O'Neill and Max as the wide players, I think it's possible. I don't like O'Neill as a left back, um, but I could see him playing left wing back. So there's potential that he might just flip and change the system. I, I actually think, uh, and I don't think this doesn't help us with left back, but I'd love to know what um, Craig Shakespeare's record is playing four four two, because I mean, he won the league at Leicester doing it. Uh, and then he done it with Norwich. And I think we done quite well playing four four two. I mean, we didn't do that well that season, but um, I, I, Part of me is trying to kind of think what they're talking about behind the scenes. And I think Craig Shakespeare's going, go on, Dean, let me go 4-4-2. Go on, let me, <laughs> let me have a crack at it. I promise you, we'll get some. And he's going, no, no, we've got to, you know, Norwich is where, you know, Daniel Farker built this system. We're going to play 4-3-3. We're going to buy these players to build this project. Um, so, yeah, I don't know where he's going to go with left back or, or formations. Um, I think if he does deviate from the 4-3-3 to accommodate not playing a left back, it's a good out for him. It's a nice out. It's really interesting that because I think at the Smith and Shaky night I did, I, I spoke a bit about that Leicester team with Craig and the fact that he left three players up on the halfway line whenever they had a corner, basically, and um, which was just you know sort of a bit mind blowing at the time, but it worked so well for them. And it probably is a bit interesting they haven't played four two four or four four two. Yeah, but I, I guess, I, I mean, Anna, if, if Carol Road was watching something more direct like that in the championship, I, I kind of feel like at the moment the mood would almost be like, oh, look, he's just thr- he's, he's just gone completely now. We're just playing route one stuff. Even if they won 1-0, they probably wouldn't take I don't know. Is that, is that fair? Am I being... Well, I think I, before there was a couple of injuries last season, they started to do the two up front. I think it was, was it Ida and Pookie who he was putting up front and it looked brilliant. And all of a sudden we were going, hang on, hang on a minute, this this is starting to work. And then Ida got injured and everything seemed to just fall apart again. So it's not like it's a completely out of the question, untested thing. And I think that might help Pookie as well to have a bit more support up there because at the moment he's getting nothing and I think he's frustrated and whatever they're doing at the moment isn't suited to him. So having a bit more support up there would actually, I think, get him the ball a little bit more. So I think Norwich fans can be sometimes... uh, uh, that They'll go with whatever's getting the result. 1-0, 5-0, whatever. Uh, As long as it's a win, I don't think a lot of people care, especially at this time. We just need the results and then you can build on making it look a little bit nicer. I always think about Chris Hewton when that kind of question comes up. Always, <laughs> always come up with Chris Hewton in my head. Um, uh, I mean, the, the 7 nil is an interesting one because someone mentioned that Huddersfield are probably quite fancy getting revenge on Norwich for that. Mm-hmm. A, it was a long time ago, so they've probably forgotten. But, I mean, B, Dean Smith is not going to be in any way aware of that. Um, kind of interesting that, he, he, I mean, he did get asked again about Danel Sanani not featuring and that maybe he will now feature against Huddersfield because he was there on loan last year and he might fancy a bit to prove, which would be interesting. Obviously, we then have Millwall on um, on Friday night, um, which uh, Norwich drew nil-nil with Millwall twice two years ago. So anyone thinking, oh, that'll be a, that'll be a feisty one. I mean, it might be feisty, but probably not going to be anything um, spectacular. We'll, we'll have to see. Um it will be really interesting how Dean Smith deals with it and how he opts to play play it. Um, and I can't really 
guess. I think I've got about five options for what he might do at, at left back, and I'm not sure if I can. I'm not sure if I can work out which uh, out of all of them we we might get to Let's see. Go through them. So Kenny Gibson, O'Neill. Kenny at left back. Ben Gibson at left back. Um, you could play someone like Jonathan Tomkinson at right back, and then switch Max over to left back. You could start Sam Byram, which I really hope he doesn't do, and he did say he wouldn't do, just because the poor guy has had no preseason and feel like a. Would Tomkinson be in there? He's just been in the under twenty ones match, hasn't he? He he was, but he only played the first forty five minutes, and they'll be back from Leeds. So potentially, yeah, maybe not ideal. Maybe the maybe they said maybe they rung him in to come off at half time because you're going to go, go play it right back. I don't know. I mean, it seems strange they would have let him to go up and go and play if he was in there minds for it already he did play it right back um i do, I do want to see more of him at some Hibber- point I think he, he's a very good player i do want to see more of him definitely yeah no i really like him as well um i mean regan riley played left back a couple of times in pre-season um liam gibbs has dropped back to left back a couple of times who i thought did well when he came on by the way at hull and and has absolutely been nowhere near letting anyone down so far um I can see Ben Gibson playing there. I think that I feel like that's most likely. Does he have probably, to? probably got the most left back experience, and I don't know if a bit. I don't know a bit like you, really, Nick. I, I don't know if I can see him changing to a starting formation that he hasn't really played any of preseason, really, in terms of back three. Um, but I'm sure they would have done some work on it. But that would probably suit the players better. So um, it's a nice reset sure. sometimes. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> It doesn't take long to just build a formation in training and say, okay, these are your roles and responsibilities. It's not, it's not something you need to spend three months building. It's, you know, here's your roles, responsibilities. This is our shape. This is your job. This is your job. I mean, it's not, I'd say it's probably easier to do that than it would be to say, all right, go four, three, three again, play against a terrible team and go knock them out of the park. Dean Smith did say recently that you get so many different styles in the championship and that he wants to to build a team that's prepared for all of them so I would assume that would come with preparing them in different formations as well 100% and they'll I think as Nick says they'll kind of know what 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 would be needed of them um maybe that's a bit of my own hangover from the past head coach that if you didn't play something in pre-season you knew you were probably not going to see it um but it will be fascinating and and to be honest whenever i tend to get asked about shapes the reply from dean smith says it doesn't really matter <laughs> because it's more about what the players do um which is probably true in, in reality um uh, right, yeah, I think that was all the options. And then, yeah, so those three at the back and the, and the wing-backs with Anel and Max, I suppose, would be your wing-backs, which is probably um, the other uh, variety. So I was just going to see what other questions uh, we had. But, uh, I mean, they are two big games. Let's hope and pray that we see at least one victory out of them because that would be uh, that would be good. Um, Can I ask know, a question? Oh, yeah, please do, Anna. Um, I. I know that, uh, obviously, I don't know how you do it, but you have eyes all over the club and ears all over the club. And at the end of last season, you outlined exactly what Farker had asked for in terms of the transfer window and what he very much did not get. And have you heard anything about what Smith has asked for in the window compared to what he's got? Or is that something you won't hear till later on? Um, yeah, I've heard bits and pieces, um, but it's... Yeah, sometimes it's about the moments to share them, I suppose. There are things you can share and things you can't, probably, like, constantly. Um, and I think, well, you know, that that the piece that went up at the end of last season was was basically a year's worth of work. So and it was a brilliant piece, I'll say that. Thank you very much. Um, I hope I have to write a happier one this time around. Um, well, so, okay. yeah. is it on par with what he's wanted or is it veering quite off? That's all I'll ask. I think... I think if you sat Dean Smith down, he would want more. He would want to change more. But ultimately, there is only so much he can do. And in a way, he's he's done quite well out of it because he's managed to get um, you know a few players in, and yet the squad is still pretty big. So there hasn't been much going out. So um, he had to have some way of putting his own stamp on the group of players to a degree. So he's got that. Um, and now it's up to him to balance that off, really. And the players that he picks have got to deliver because he 
uh, it's going to be become hard with such a big group of players if people aren't delivering on the pitch or the team aren't winning to go oh well, no I've still got total faith in this 11 it's like well boss they haven't won a game yet you know so you, you, it's going to become harder and he can tell Jordan Hugo before the whole game it tosses for courses you're not in the 18 but if they then lose the next two games then it's like well which course am I running <laughs> so it's um, and, and that's without Adamita coming back I mean you uh, we should all probably do it. You know, Norwich got two games coming up. Draw a squad, you know, put your 11 in, put your seven substitutes in and then see who you've got not in the squad and think about how those players will be here and they'd be wanting to play and they're not even on the bench. And then what do you do? Do you change that out? Well, if you do change it out, who are you dropping out? Some of them will be easy. I think everyone will probably drop me lot straight out of their, you know, 19 at the moment, or 20. But, um, you know, that's... That, 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 that's fine for one, but, you know, is that long-term? I mean, you've got a nine and a half million pound player there. So what do you do, you know? And that's, you know, that is why Dean Smith gets paid to do the job he does. Um, but it's uh, it's an interesting exercise to, uh, to work through. Definitely. Uh, a couple of other questions, uh, John F. Howard, Anna, always a real delight <laughs> listening to this well-informed young lady. There you go. I'm with you, Anna, more fight and passion needed, which is a uh, grand, um, Simon Duarte, Gibbs looks hungry. Every team wants hungry players. It's a bit like you were saying, Nick. I mean, um, these opportunities do just come along. And let's remember that Tamu Puki wasn't going to play up top on his own until Norwich decided to change it and actually mix it up uh, against Middlesbrough, you know, four years ago, whatever it was. So there we go. I'm sure we'll be due a debate over Tamu Puki at some point, but we're not going to have that tonight. I think Timu's first game, he played on the right of a three behind Jordan Rhodes, right? Indeed. Yeah. Uh, uh, can you imagine him playing there anymore? Not a chance. So yeah, sometimes no. players just come in, do a job, and it makes the manager's job really easy. And hopefully someone did. Indeed, someone did suggest to me that that he should be tried there again, and I kind of re- replied with the fact I've not really seen him have a particularly good game <laughs> in those in those positions compared to him being up top um, on his own. Oh, um, so many lone players I miss. I miss Jordan Rhodes. I really liked him. Well, you're going to get to see him on Tuesday, Anna. So there you go. That's exciting. Uh, Jason Hayden, we are playing well. I think we just lack cutting edge and a bit of lady luck. Should be looking to replace Pookie as he is aging before our eyes, Jason, some would say. Um, Bless him. Um, I don't think that's about him aging. I I said it before. I don't don't think we're playing to his strengths. We're not getting him the ball at all, not getting him any service. And I think he looks frustrated. I I agree. I, I Sorry, Nick, I was going to say, I, I, I thought some of the criticism of Tamer was, was pretty harsh, to be honest. Interesting situation with him as well, because he had a pain in his foot after the game on Saturday. Uh, he went for an X-ray, but Dean Smith is completely happy he'll be fit for tomorrow. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit more worried, but hopefully the X-rays come back and everything's fine by now. Maybe just throwing out one of those doubtful uh, doubtful bits. Anyway, sorry, Nick, I cut you off there. No, I, I, I think that's part of Daniel Farker's brilliance. Everyone assumed he was a high possession-based team that's going to work the ball forwards and add numbers. But the reality was he, he went high possession until he felt the press. Then they got the ball to Emmy, who sent it through to Pookie. So it's kind of moving the, the opposition's back line higher by playing deeper uh, versus Dean Smith, where you're seeing a lot more uh, trying to develop build-up through adding numbers in high areas which leaves you susceptible to the counter-attack, which we've obviously seen. And then we've also got two centre-backs, one who's very young and, and quite aggressive. I mean, we saw that with his booking, I think it was at the weekend. And um, Grant Hanley, we know, is a, an extremely aggressive towards the ball player, uh, although he's quite intelligent with it. Um, that, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. Um, playing, And we can teach them patience. Um, but that's another reason why I think things are, are not going well. And there's a little bit, it's not a really settled back four. Another reason why you might see Max making those types of mistakes is because what he's got behind him, there's not that um, comfort and trust in the way we're defending against, um, certainly against the counter-attack. That, that was the biggest thing in previous years, consistency and trust in each other. And I still don't think that that's there. And I just, I don't think they're communicating enough with each other as well. And I think once they've got, they've settled in the team, and they've got a bit more consistency about them. I'm, I'm sure things will start to pick up. 
Fingers crossed for that moment when it all picks up. Um, I reckon finally then Kenny Other Business. If anyone has got anything else they want to bring up, Kenny Other Business, that is the section we are in. Just pop your hand up, guys. You've got something you want to yeah, go on. Yeah, I, I, I want to oh, talk Nick. about Kenny, Kenny McLean. Oh, in Kenny Other Business. <laughs> scenes. Yeah, if it's... If it's uh, uh, I, I st- I, the season, his first season of us, he was back up. Right in the championship. Uh, then we go to the Premier League. He actually is probably one of our better players after lockdown, I, I think. Yeah. Then we go back to the championship and he starts, but we're kind of winning games because of Emmy, let's be honest. It, we There's no way that, that those team performances deserve to win as many games as they did. Um, and so I think uh, I think we need to let him go a little bit and that kind of hurts me because I think Dean sees him as a leader and someone who brings enthusiasm and, but I, th- I think it's hurting uh, I think it's hurting his the, the the fans connection with the team that's playing and I think it's hurting Kenny and I think we just need to let him go back to being a backup and that leader versus starting every minute of every game where we don't necessarily look like we need leaders when we're playing. I think what we need to see when we're playing is players adjusted to the system. Well, you might get to see him playing at left back on Tuesday, uh, Nick. But it's um, it's really interesting. It, it will be interesting how the midfield dynamic develops over the next sort of two, three months as well, because theoretically you have a midfield three that doesn't need to involve Kenny because you've got Sarah Nunez and Hayden. So, um, uh, you know, those three have been brought in because presumably Dean Smith and, and the recruitment team view them as better options and what Norwich had available to them. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, how Kenny um, Kenny's role develops. Um, I remember that first season, Certainly the second half of the, the campaign, he did start regularly. And I remember going through each game going, mm, I might replace Kenny in that 11, but it never happened. And every so often he'd chip in with some goals and, you know, he'd, he'd have a real contribution. Um, but he, he does seem to be someone where I think, um, you know, I, I, maybe not a lot of supporters don't necessarily have that faith in him. And also I think Kenny kind of senses that. I remember when we spoke to him after the Celtic game, he was sort of talking about, you know, him playing and playing in different roles. And he sort of said, look, you know, whatever fans think about how good I am, they'll know I'll always give everything whichever role I play at. And I just thought that's you acknowledging that it seeps through that players are like, oh, Kenny, which, you know, does is probably the prevailing opinion with a lot of supporters. Um, and that's a shame because if and unless everyone pulls together in one direction, uh, Norwich are not going to go anywhere particularly fast this year. But Yeah, but also... Um... You talk about things like connections to the fans and things like that, and I think it, you, that's something you can look at through the the whole club. There is a reason people are struggling to let go of the previous few years because there was a very clear idea, not just on the pitch, but throughout the whole club. You knew what they were trying to build. You knew what direction they were going. Even in that first season, when it wasn't particularly special, although fans grumbled about what happened, most kind of went, okay, yeah, we can see what they're trying to do. Yeah, it, I can see that we probably need a transitional season. And it, it it's not nice to accept, but that's what we accepted at the time because we, were, we could see where things were going. We could see the identity they were trying to build. They sorted out the training facilities. You could see there was better attitude amongst the players. They all got on and you, there was so much connection and like, so whether at the very beginning was like, oh yeah, we're going to be really open and honest. That's a huge value for me because you have to be honest with people, even if they don't like it, because then you've told them and they can accept it. If you keep lying, that'll come back and bite you. And all of these very strong values that they set out at the very beginning seems to have just been completely thrown out of the window. And I feel like at the moment, the club identity seems to have regressed massively and we need to see something change. Otherwise, people carry on holding on to those previous glory years. And if things don't change, unfortunately, whether it's his fault or not, Dean Smith might end up on borrowed time. 
Let's um, address the other questions set by Steve, shall we? Um, again, if you've got any Mr. or Mrs. Utensil uh, puns, throw them forward. I've got some other ones. Um, uh, Danel Binani, obviously, for <laughs> when you're getting rid of your rubbish. Um, Marcelino Spunez, um for, for stirring things up. And then you probably need to flatten things, in which case you could, yeah, you could use your John Rowling pin. So uh, that's what I've got. Um, Anna, Nick, have you got any other ones? Mm, I, I, I've got it, the vowels one. I've not written it out. Oh, 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 wait, for that, wait for that. Wait for that. Wait for that. We'll get to those. We'll get to hey, those, Nick. Would, would you class a bib as a kitchen thing? Yes. Why not? Yeah, for a baby. Liam, Liam Bibbs. <laughs> Liam Bibbs. There we go. Love it. Stephen Stibbons. Dave Strainer. Dave Strainer, which I think works. Um, uh, Yoddy Toddy, uh, Jens Bertel Askewer, love that. Uh, mm -hmm. Paul Frake, Duncan Forks, um, which is uh, lovely. James Hotchkiss, Ian Butterdish, <laughs> um, which is very good. Uh, Daryl Rowland, Emmy Blenderia, <laughs> I think that works. <laughs> so it's just as good as Matthias Sivenson, so I'll give you that one. Uh, brilliant. So I think we've exhausted that list, but if anyone has got any more Mr. Utensil puns, including you, Steve, because I think, oh, no, sorry, I've already forgotten about you, Jürgen Collender. Um, if you've got any of your Mr. Utensil puns, please do get them in. Uh, you can email the podcast, Twitterkers, Twitter, K-E-R-S, at iCloud.com. So Is that the way you're going to carry on? Yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, or you can you can DM me with them because um, we could have a full array of kitchen Norwich City utensils um, by the end of the season. Um, let's see if we can get more than Norwich get points. <laughs> um, and then, of course, we have Steve's quiz question. We will hear from Steve in a tickle, um, but let's just see what did we have in terms of suggestions. Oh, Nick, what were your suggestions? I, I was thinking Yanoulis has got to be close. Demetrius Yanoulis. Oh, he's missing an E, but he is close. He's got oh, four of right. them. Nice he's got eyes, four of them. Um, just some suggestions in no way suggesting they're right or wrong immediately. James Hotchkiss. Jamie Curitan for the vowels, he says. Mm. Um, Josh Butler says, mm, Bacani, mm, Bacani, mm, maybe. Didn't the other guy came come up with the answer when he put in the question? Uh, who's that? Uh, he came up with the kitchen pun and it was technically an answer at the same time oh well yeah well yeah adam leventhal and his um temu tea no what was it teapot tea pookie yeah um oh by the way for the uh for the uh puns um shipatel says max ap aprons which is which goods no, that's good isn't it um okay well i'll tell you what in that point let's uh let's hear from steve shall we go on then steve Hello again, and congratulations on an absolute triumph of a podcast, guys. Really, really love the bit where Michael complained about the 4G at Hull Stadium and the five-minute skit that you did on the curse of the Norwich City left-back. So great work all round. Um, anyway, answers to the quiz question from the start of the pod. There have been three goal scorers for Norwich City since the year 2010, who have had all five vowels in their name. One is Marcelino Nunez. You get that one for free. Who are the other two? The answers are the lone star from the Alec Neal Premier League season. Maybe Star is pushing it. Diamersi and Bacani. And this is the one whose name is generally shortened, but if you were to take his full name, he would have all five vowels. Emiliano Buendia. The two that just missed out, this was not part of the quiz, but just in case you care, Owen Tudor-Jones and Jamie Curitan both scored for Norwich City in 2009. Anyway, on the ball city, three points tomorrow. Speak soon. Well said, Steve. And uh, thank you for setting the quiz, the quiz question, which I think we all thoroughly enjoyed. Um, it was worth the wait because I did you know, make him wait a week before uh, being able to give us all that because he was supposed to do it last week. Um, but that was a joy. Uh, I did also have a reply about the shirts because we were trying to remember if um, a player had three different 
uh, three different shirt uh, squad numbers. And someone did reply to me and I was trying to find that and I still don't think I can find it. Um, which is a shame, but it was a great reply. So um, I'm going to try and find that and next week, but we have got an answer to the squad numbers thing or a few. And also it'd be nice to do that with Steve here. Um, I think that's it. Everyone happy? Everyone everyone exhaled everything off their, off their chests? Yes, I feel better. Do you feel better, Nick? So much better. Just a recovery day plus this. I'm ready to go for Tuesday. This is it. Aren't we all? I am especially. Uh, that is it for another On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that this week is planning to read up on stress-related injury avoidance. Uh, if you're yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player. Uh, and uh, we do stream the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels. Have a search. And I'm sure you will find them. Uh, ratings and reviews, wherever prompted, are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, sing me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey is the handle. Um, I will make sure I can find them, which uh, I have struggled to do this evening. Um, as for this evening's pod, uh, a huge thank you for our guests uh, tonight. Anna, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. We'll do it again soon. Of course. Lovely. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Uh, Nick, what a great debut. Um, thank you so much. Can we have you on again? Uh, you certainly can. I love it. Well, good luck. Good luck with whatever your weeks have in store. Hope it brings many wins and uh, player development. And um, we'll, uh, we'll get you back on the podcast uh, very soon. Um, but that is it for uh, another edition of On The Ball. We'll be back next week for a fresh bout, bout of Canary's Capers. Keep an ear out. It will not be on the Monday night. It will probably be over the course of the weekend at some point because Norwich are playing on the Friday night against Millwall. So Norwich are playing on the Friday night and then we will probably do a podcast um, after the Friday night, but before the Monday, if that makes sense. Um, in the meantime, enjoy that. Enjoy the Carabao Cup game, of course, against Bournemouth as well uh, the following week. Uh, and until all of that happens, um, never mind the danger. <laughs>